Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Okay, and welcome to another episode of the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is Mike, and with me to talk some 2019 playoff Jets is Alistair and Daniel. How's it going, guys? Fantastic. Good to be here. Wow, what a what a wild ride we've had the last few games. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ups and downs, hey? Yeah, more downs than ups, I'd say. <laughs> I feel like it's been a very, very downward roller coaster. Well, I think with the Jets uh, roller coaster, uh, you always know that it ends in the third period on going down. So at least that's the what we've kind of come to expect this year, so... Uh, anyways, hey, I wanted to start off by asking you guys. Uh, we don't want to. We're gonna get a little bit. Just a little um, disclosure. Um, if you're listening to this podcast around people who really, really, really love the Jets and don't like to hear anything negative, uh, there are gonna be some criticisms. So we'll just throw that little uh, heads up out there. So, uh, but I wanted to start off with uh, what your guys' take was. Um, oh, where do you guys watch the game? Did you guys street party? Did you guys watch? Get tickets to the game? Uh, where were you guys watching, uh, Daniel? Uh, I just watched in my uh, in my troll dungeon. That would be uh, that would be my uh, where I live in my apartment. Uh, I didn't really want to get out. I worked uh, worked early both following morning, so I didn't really want to be uh, ravaging around the streets of Winnipeg at uh, all hours of the night, and uh, you know, just dealing with all that drunkenness and uh, having to work the next day. So that's that's what I did. Uh, I, I'm out in Ontario, so, uh, you know, I was just streaming in the dark with my headphones in. I uh, would love to be at a street party if I could, but uh, not in the cards for me. I had naively uh, booked plane tickets back to Winnipeg for May in the naive hope that there might still be playoff hockey going on, but uh, not super optimistic anymore. <laughs> Yeah, right. I uh, I was lucky actually. A friend of mine from uh, from way back had an extra ticket to game one, so I was there in person. I experienced the whiteout. Uh, I can confirm that it was totally awesome. And uh, yeah, my my ears were definitely still ringing, and my voice was hoarse by uh, even a couple days afterwards. So that was awesome. And then I I I like to go watch watching the bar downtown and stuff. So that's where I saw game two. So yeah. I just I just thought about uh, what Alistair just said about uh, I think I saw a tweet maybe it was yesterday I think uh, a guy in Australia posted a picture of himself sitting in the middle of the street uh, saying that was his uh, his white old parties I'd live in Australia one guy sitting in a lawn chair with a beer in his hand uh, <laughs> that just kind of made me think of that just Alistair doing that in his uh at his house or wherever he uh, he caught the game <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> well hey let's get started here. Um... So we have two 2019 playoff games in the books, uh, and they did not go uh, the Winnipeg Jets' way. We, uh, the Jets are down, of course, two games to none. They have been outscored by 6-4 to four on aggregate for all you soccer fans out there, and outshot 58-54. to 54. So not by the biggest of margins, but... I don't know what you guys would say if you would call this, um, you know, just as simple as two coin flip games or not. Um, but we'll just start off by throwing out to you guys what what happened here. Well, the uh, the Jets just they just did the first game, especially in the first game. You know, they were leading one nothing for I believe the majority of the game. They uh, they gave up the tying goal off about four and a half minutes into the third, and then of of course, as we all know, Tyler Bozak buried uh, the game winner with uh, just over two minutes left. So, I mean, that's kind of a Jets, uh, what we have seen, especially of late within the last, uh, I'd say, I think they blew three games since February, at least in the last couple minutes of the third period. So that's kind of what happened in game one. You know, they did have some bad luck, a couple posts and whatnot. And St. Louis also had a couple posts, so maybe it's even on that. Um, that game, you know, uh, it would have been nice to win and then of course we look uh, last night as we record here on uh, at a Saturday night uh, we should mention that when we're recording this but uh, last night the Jets they came out 
slow. They were down one nothing, and then we either tied it up, and then line A, all of a sudden, it's 2-1 early in the second. And then all of a sudden, the Jets are down 3-2, just like that, right? So that was kind of a turning tide. Uh, Hellebuck fumbled the puck for the uh, 2-2 game-tying goal. And then I think at that point, the momentum kind of just went away. Even with the momentum of the home crowd, the crowd, you could hear, they just kind of changed. You know, the the energy just got sucked out with that 2-2 goal on the Hellebuck turnover. And I love, I love Hellebuck. I mean, sometimes it's, it's going to happen and whatnot. It's happened a few times this season. He's letting a few soft goals and stuff. Uh, I, I don't like being too critical of him considering what we've seen in front of him from the defensive play and the defensive play of the forwards and just a whole, uh, whole bunch of uh, effects and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I feel. I don't know if Alistair kind of saw the same thing or if he has a different, uh, different take on that. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm right with you. Uh, I think, uh, for me, to my eye anyway, the Blues are winning the 5-on-5 battle. Jets are winning special teams battle. And the Blues are winning the goaltending battle. <laughs> the recipe for success is win five on five and goaltending first and foremost. <laughs> so going their way. I, I think the if, if you look at the five on five shot rates, they're neck and neck. Like neither team has a huge advantage there. It's not like one team's really being outplayed. Uh, it's just we're not getting the saves we want to be getting. For me, that's. I, 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 you know, I love Hellebuck too, but uh, the play hasn't been there. I've got questions. Yeah, definitely. I'm just looking up a uh, tweet from our friend uh, Murata Tesh from The Athletic. And just to comment on how actually close this series has been so far. He says, here's the thing. No, the Jets absolutely were not crushed from a numbers perspective. The series is almost exactly even at 5-on-5. Shot attempts, 50.9% in favor of the Jets. Shots, 46.7%. Again, that's the Jets' numbers. High danger scoring chances, 57.1%. Expected goals, 49.3%. He summarizes by saying, it's about goaltending and a few key breakdowns. What do you think, Daniel? Is he right? Yeah, actually, that's... That's a good point. I'm glad actually you brought that tweet. I had seen it, but I kind of just deleted it from my memory, I guess, as as I did with the last two games, I think. But uh, I mean, goaltending in the playoffs, as we know, that goaltenders win the uh, what's the playoff MVP, the Conn Smythe, I believe, is they win that very often and for a very good reason. They're usually winning all 16 games that it takes to get to the Stanley Cup. So goaltending is very key. And I will agree also on his part about a few key breakdowns. Uh, you look at I can't remember which goal it was. I think it was Sunfist's second goal, so that would be the 3-2 goal last night. Um, Shifley and Wheeler both went off for a change at the same time, leaving the middle of the ice wide open for a 3-on-2 in, in from the blue line on a flat-footed... Uh, I can't even remember who the defensive pair. It doesn't matter. Uh, that, that, uh, that was the 3-2 goal, which, I mean, you know, that's whatever. They, they were tied, and then they were losing and stuff, so... Stuff like that, like that's a key breakdown as well. And you look at even uh, Sunfist's first goal, the game opening goal, it was a, a two-on-one on a on the four-on-four. I mean, Hellebuck probably should have had that one. I, you know, it's some some pucks are just going to go in. He probably should have had that. But again, how does a two-on-one develop? I think it was a bad pinch along the the blue line or along uh, center ice, even if I do if I do remember that properly. So few key uh, key breakdowns, and as well, the goaltending hasn't been there getting the saves. Like I said, the 2-2 goal was a mishandle. So that's that's on the goalie. That's all on the goalie. And the 4-3 goal, I can't even remember how that went in. I kind of just forgot about that one already. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on this series. I'm already erasing it from my memory as we uh, we try to fight back from a 2-0 deficit. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Alistair probably also agrees uh, agrees with that that tweet, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I actually, I after seeing that, I, I did a little bit of digging on uh, Hellebuck's performance a little bit. I, I was looking at uh, Sean Tierney's Twitter account that's at Charting Hockey on Twitter. He's got some great uh, charts and things on 
uh, team performance, and also he does a lot of goalie performance charts. Um, and yeah, Hellebuck has got some scary stuff going on, you guys. Uh, I don't know if we want to fo focus on him a whole lot right now or maybe circle back later, but uh, oh, there's some concerning trends going on. Just And it's short, small sample, obviously, but scary stuff. Well, I think it's probably worthwhile going into it now, to be honest. I mean, I'm um, because here because for me, I'm looking at before the playoffs, uh, the Jets, we all talked about flipping the switch, right? Like how many times do we hear flip the switch? Uh, and um, it was to me when I look at the Jets playing the Blues, I, I'm actually fairly impressed. I, I think the Blues for being one of the hottest teams in the NHL since Christmas, uh, I'm actually fairly happy to see them uh, you know, right there with the Blues, to be honest. My expectations have been kind of lowered. Um, it's, uh, so to me, I'm just wondering to myself, is it, does it kind of just all come down to goaltending right now? Uh, because I'm wondering, like, would the Jets have been, should the Jets be looking at a 1-1 split? Maybe the tone's a lot different than it is. And, um, and if it comes down to goaltending, what, what exactly is doing it? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I can give you what I came up with. <laughs> So, first thing is uh, Hellebuck is underperforming his expected goals uh, rate, like his per 60 rate, uh, per 60 minutes of play. So, that means, you know, in a, in a cold, sterile, mathematical environment, the Blues should be scoring X and Hellebuck is doing worse. Uh, so, he's not saving as many as we would come to believe based on the quality of the shots, the quantity of the shots. So that's the first red flag. Uh, the second one, if you break it down by low, medium, and high danger save percentage, he's actually doing just fine, not stellar, but just fine in terms of medium and high danger saves. It's the low danger one, so he's getting his, he's getting his butt kicked. And that is bad news bears. <laughs> that is not good news, you guys. Uh, usually, sorry. Oh, I was just saying sorry. Go ahead. I uh, started talking while you were talking. My bad. Oh no worries. I, I take obnoxiously long breaks. That's just how I talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically, Hellebuck has actually been making some really good saves and some really. He's been stopping a lot of pucks that should be going in. It's the ones that he should be stopping that he isn't that are concerning, and that's bad and you combine that with uh so we've got a low save percentage and we're not shooting too great right now we've got a really bad pdo that's the the the, the correlation between or sorry not the correlation but the the relationship between your save percentage and your shooting percentage and we're shooting about five percent we're saving about uh 90 percent and that's really bad on both counts so is it fair to say then, like when you're saying that, like the PDO, the difference in PDO there, basically in the long run, that's a shorthand, that's a, that's kind of a catch-all stat to just say, okay, the team's been lucky if your PDO is, is very high, but in a playoff series, it kind of just means more like you're getting out goaltended. Is that not the case? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, think that's, that's a hundred percent. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I think of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Biddington's been fantastic. Hellebuck has not shown up. You know, my observation, I just, I've just, especially the last game, and I mean, I'll stop myself and just say, to be honest, I didn't really have any complaints with Connor Hellebuck's game in game number one, right? I mean, he was, he was ultimately the second best goalie on the ice, but uh, I still thought he played a whale of a game there. Uh, just the, it's just funny how quickly things can change. So, but uh, ultimately, though, in a, in a seven-game series, every single game uh, has a magnifying glass on it, though, in the end. Yeah. Uh, I, I, oh, yeah, it reminded me of Pekka Rinne, to be honest. Like, this, like the, game, uh, uh, the game last night, uh, the 4-3 to three loss. It just reminded me of the Jets in, in Nashville. And I guess it was, was it game seven where basically it just was kind of like Pekka Rinne sort of laid an egg, eh? Like, he... Um, he just everything went in for the Jets, and we were all over them. And but it sure seemed like goaltending was was a big difference at by the end of that series. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, maybe, um, yeah, and we also like, I think like you uh, you mentioned, um, we also should probably be tipping our hats uh, grudgingly to uh, to Bennington for, for stopping basically everything, I guess, eh? Well, yeah. I mean, I, he's the number four performing playoff goalie so far. Uh, you know, in all the matchups, he's the fourth best so far. And Hellebuck is, I think, the second worst. Uh, which, yeah, which adds up when you're down. Uh, that, that, that the math, the math is correct when you're down two nothing in a series, and you have the second worst goaltender in all in all uh, whatever the amount of games been played. I guess a dozen or so now playoff games have been completed. Exactly, and I mean small sample size, obviously it's two games, but you know we lost those two games, and there's a reason for it. He's not winning the game. Like you say, what you like, no matter what else you say, you cannot say that Connor Hellebuck is winning these games for the team, and that's kind of what you need in the playoffs, right? You are yeah. not wrong about that. Um, which I wanted to, we can maybe set the goalies aside just a little bit now. They get enough of the spotlight as it is. Um, just wanted to ask you guys, which players jumped out at you um, on the Jets or the St. Louis? It can be open ended, but. But on the good side and bad, who's who's jumped out at you? I think Patrick Line is probably the guy. If if you would have if we would have been told before this series started that the Jets would be down uh, two games to none uh, after after the two games in Winnipeg here, uh, if we were going to pick who the whipping boy was going to be, we probably I'm thinking would have been uh, very worried that it'd be Patrick Line. But um, but he's actually had a very good start. I'm I'm just wondering who you, who stood out to you guys in a good, uh, maybe in a positive way, um, or you can dive in with with the guys that have caught your eye in a bad way. Uh, maybe start off with you, Dan. Yeah. So obviously, Line, like you mentioned, he has a goal in each game, which I mean that's pretty much all you can ask for from a guy, you know. And he hasn't been actually bad in his defensive zone from the eye test only. I'm using. Uh, I I haven't looked at any any advanced stats because I don't want to. Uh, to frustrate myself any more than I am, but uh, obviously a guy scored a goal in each game, so Line has been definitely a positive, and he's been skating it like he's been skating hard, definitely harder than he was in the regular season. In some, in some games, obviously he had some good games in the regular season as well. Um, and then I look at uh, on the back end for the Jets, uh, Justin Bufflin. He has, I think, I think he has three assists, have five goals, so he's been on involved on sixty percent of. Uh, of the Jets goals, which is obviously a good thing. And you can definitely tell he's uh, making a difference. Um, and then for the blues, obviously Bennington, as we had just mentioned, he's been uh, a spectacular net and the Jets are getting slightly out goaltended and that's all, all the difference. Um, obviously Sunfist had two goals. Didn't really notice him in the first game, but game two, you're going to notice that. Um, I'm, I'm bad. I tend not to uh, pay attention to the other teams so much. I probably should, especially in the playoffs. You know, they're the players that you you see out there. I mean, you think the the uh, the play by play guys, they talked about a guy like Patrick Maroon. I mean, yeah, he did have a goal and he did play a good role in the uh, the game winning goal on uh, on in game one on uh, what day did they play there Wednesday. So, I mean, he has been probably a factor in the series. Not not sure how big of a factor. Um, the Blues have a whole bunch of talented guys, just like the Jets, and they're just seeming to be executing uh, more right now. So. Yeah, and I mean, the, obviously the Jets' negatives, if you read my Twitter account, uh, that uh, that will tell you enough. Uh, you look at a guy like Kulikova Myers out there for the uh, losing goal on, in Game 1. Um, ben Sherratt's been running around just hitting guys aimlessly. He actually played like 22 minutes last night or something absolutely ridiculous. Yep. To put that into perspective, Josh Morrissey played only 18 minutes uh, last night. Ben Sherratt played 21 so I don't know exactly what that says about who, but uh, I'll just leave it at that for now and uh, let uh, before I throw my phone through the wall. <laughs> well, I'd jump in on that and say what that says about Ben Sherrod is that he's playing with Dustin Bufflin. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know. For me, uh, one of my favorite players to watch is Andrew Kopp. I think he's been great. Uh, I love watching him play. I want him playing with Line A more, possibly forever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like it. 
Uh, and he was on the ice with Shifley and Wheeler when they had the tying goal in the first last night, uh, as I recall. Uh, he's on the forecheck. And, yeah, anyway, uh, I love that guy. Uh, on By the way, the- that's, my, uh, that's my kind of like roster uh, hope. I, I, um, I think Cop was with Shifley and Wheeler there because Cop uh, had just got out of the penalty box for his... Uh, you know, enormously powerful cross check on sarcasm uh, on Ryan O'Reilly in the corner, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And boy, that was a rare, <laughs> what a rare lapse in in uh, defensive coverage for the Blues there. I mean, it was it was beautiful to see Shifley and Kopp uh, do a great job winning that battle behind the net, um, which is obviously one of Andrew Kopp's uh, real strengths. Like that guy is just awesome on the boards. I think. Uh, but then, but then the Blues to leave Wheeler untouched for, you know, basically two solid seconds, which feels like an eternity these days. Uh, you know, Shifley obviously finds him in the slot for that, for that goal. So, but uh, but that's I know I don't know what you guys think. I know that's something. I mean, obviously, uh, getting caught more ice time is probably a part of the solution uh, rather than rather than part of a problem. I would say is that not correct? hundred oh, percent agree. Yeah, he's one of the only guys who's been really clicking, it feels like, for me. And, you know, I think in the playoffs, you got to run with what's working. I think one yeah, of the that's, other questions... Yeah, that's right. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, Mike. I just want to say that uh, that goal that you were uh, uh, recapping there with the uh, cop on uh, after his penalty, I was actually yelling at Shifley because he, uh, he didn't look like he was, knew what he was doing behind the net. He kind of cycled it the wrong way where he had Wheeler open already. And I was like, what are you doing? And then like five seconds later, the puck's in the back of the net. And I was like, well, I guess he's doing that. It's actually funny. I was, Dan, I was just at the, I was watching at the bar and I was, I think, just uh, in like mid-sentence venting my frustration uh, about Mark Shifley. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about individual players, I, I do think we'd be remiss if we, uh, if we didn't spend a little bit of time just on, on Shifley. But uh, like I was going to say, uh, I was just just mid mid mouthful of uh, of of criticizing him, and he goes and finds Wheeler in the slot and uh, makes me look a complete idiot. So, but um, but but to be completely honest, I mean, you know, tip of the hat to him. He he did have, I think it was a two point night last night in game two. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys, have you what have you seen out of Mark Shifley, and is he the same player as as we saw at this time last year in two thousand eighteen? I think he's a completely different player. I don't like it. <laughs> I know he put up two points, you know, great power play goal and that that nice assist, but uh, I, I don't like his defensive play at all. And I don't think he's winning battles in the offensive zone. And he's taking stupid penalties. And that's that's a that that hurts to watch. I'm not a fan. I think yeah, for me, oh, uh, oh. I'll just quick, I'll just be. Dan, but just one of the areas for me that uh, it just jumps out at me is uh, I'm trying to watch the the matchups and stuff and the, kind of the we'll talk about coaches soon. But when I watch the matchups between Maurice and Barube, uh, Barube uh, has a real ace up his sleeve right now in the uh, O'Reilly O'Reilly Tarasenko uh, Braden Shen line, and I think we're seeing Paul Maurice really struggle um, to find a solution to it. And I mean, I think we saw him, you guys can tell me maybe if I'm wrong, but I think Maurice ended up really going hard with the Lowry line against him, against the O'Reilly line. Whereas I really think that Paul Maurice's first instinct and certainly back last year in 2018, what he would have done is put Shifley uh, head to head against O'Reilly. The big difference being 2018 Shifley, uh, the Jets top line in 2018 would have been at least equal or, or or probably had an edge over O'Reilly. And uh, to me, that's like a really big difference. I don't know what you think about that, Dan. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a good point. Because uh, obviously they, they, they were matching up uh, Lowry with uh, O'Reilly as much as they could last night. Obviously the home, the home ice, they, they get that, uh, that slight advantage. Um, but uh, watching... Yeah, watching Shifley the this year, this even late in the regular season, you know, the last couple months, his I don't know something changed. I don't know if he's frustrated with what's going. I don't want to get into that too much, 
but he's definitely not the same guy that popped 14 goals last uh, last playoff uh, season, last play during the run there, finishing second only to, uh, I believe it was Ovechkin, had some ridiculous amount of goals, and he played a whole extra series uh, compared to Shifley. So, yeah, so back to, to what you were saying, the matchups, the Jets are kind of uh, def- deficient. I don't know if that's proper term. But they're, the, the, the matchups can't be as efficient if Shifley and Wheeler, the Shifley and Wheeler line, aren't uh, playing up to what they have been or what they had been, especially last year and even earlier this season. Um, I'm, I, again, like that could be fatigue. It could be frustration. It could be, uh, could be a, f- a few things that uh, just just not working out. Now, obviously, you want, you know, you just want it to flow better and stuff like that right now. Um, Shifley and Wheeler, that's, I, they, I just, they're, they've been played, they, they haven't played a shift with anyone else, like Shifley or Wheeler haven't played a shift with anyone else unless they're coming out of the box on a PK with, uh, where Lowry and Tanner are out there. That's the only time they ever see ice time five on five with anyone except for each other. So that's something that's just, I, I, that's something I also don't understand, but I think we're going to get into that a little bit later, maybe sooner than, uh, than expected so I, I i'm just i'm just rambling right now but uh yeah shafley is just not the same guy as we uh came to to uh, enjoy and appreciate last year yeah i'm just looking at other jets forwards here and um i don't think i they always say that that uh playoff series especially are one you know with goaltending and and often strength down the middle and we saw last game in game three uh, Maurice had Kevin Hayes on the ice for I think it was eight minutes. Uh, someone can jump in if if I'm uh, if I'm mistaken there, but we had Kevin Hayes who we traded uh, we traded you know Brendan Lemieux in a first round pick, which is a pretty hefty price. It's I believe about the same price as we paid for Paul Stasny last year. Uh, what was going on? What do you guys make of that? Did did Hayes did Hayes was Hayes playing a, a terrible game? Is he is he a playoff bust for us or what's going on here? I think uh, it comes down to uh, Maurice trying to play the matchup game a little too hard to his own detriment. Like he got so scared of the Blues offense that he sat an off- he sat an offensive guy of his own who probably could have helped the team pot another goal or two. Um, you know, he stapled him to the bench and played Adam Lowry all the the difference. And you know, Lowry played really well, but. Hayes might have put the team ahead. Yeah, I'll I'll hop in there, Mike. You were uh, Mike and Alistair. Uh, you were right. Uh, eight and a half minutes for Hayes last night. Uh, Part Lindholm played nearly thirteen minutes. Uh, um, if that doesn't make you want to jump off your uh, jump off a cliff or jump out off your troll bridge or whatever, that's uh, that's just playing like like Ali just. Said said there that's just playing the matchup game way too hard um sometimes you just got to try to roll the lines a little bit better um the jets are a very talented team and they've been stymied a lot uh like either's played nine minutes last night what like i know he did have a little concussion scare there he did go to the quiet room for a few minutes but either's played nine minutes hayes played eight and a half Russell played 643 everyone else was in double digits um the lowest the next lowest was Lindholm at just under uh, 13 minutes at 1251 so I that just says so so much about about their deployment and how they're playing trying to play the matchups but are they even playing them correctly I don't, I don't know I mean right now obviously like I mentioned Shifley against O'Reilly is just a formula to get outscored that's something I believe uh, Murat had uh, tweeted out before the game uh, yesterday, before the game Friday, and obviously it's it's I don't I guess it's true now. I'm not sure exactly who was on for each goal last uh, last night, but yeah, it's just I I don't really know understand. Yeah, I was a little bit perplexed by by some of the usage stuff. I'm just checking here. I think uh, the go ahead goal, which the go ahead goal from Ryan O'Reilly in the third period, was pretty early in the third. So um, one of our mutual uh, Jets fans, Nick Lynham, uh, and I were chatting, and he pointed out that in the third period, uh, yeah, just like you were saying, uh, Paul Maurice kept on putting out the Adam Lowry, Par Lindholm, uh, Brandon Tanev line uh, for 
every offensive zone matchup. Uh, like he was basically forced into it by um, by Craig Berube because every time the Jets had an offensive zone faceoff, uh, you know, Berube was able to put out the O'Reilly Tarasenko line, and so Paul Maurice is terrified of getting beat by that line. Ended up ended up giving all of his offensive zone starts or a vast majority of them uh, to align with with Lowry, Tanev, and Lindholm, which is. I'm I'm just gonna guess that's probably less than 30, 30 regular season goals between them or so. So yeah, opportunities. He's playing to not lose. He's not playing to win that way. Well, yeah, we beat on the bush a little bit on this. Uh, I did want to definitely get to it, but with many, I mean, I think I think this is fair to say that the tide is turning a little bit in Winnipeg, which maybe some of us didn't see coming when it comes to uh, Jets head coach Paul Maurice. And I guess I wanted to just ask you guys for your opinion on what blame does Maurice deserve for the Jets finding themselves down two to nothing in this series? Um, or are you guys more on the side that this is actually, you know, 100% on the players ultimately? Um, we'll start off with you, Alistair. Well, uh, this is one of those situations where I think one thing and I feel another. <laughs> um, so I feel that absolutely Paul Maurice deserves the blame and his head will roll if the Jets get swept. And I think there should be riots in the streets. <laughs> you know, people should be uh, burning messages in Chevy's lawn. Uh, what I think is going to happen <laughs> is he, nothing at all. Uh, I think he's going to be here for next season. And if probably next season will be, he'll be on, you know, on the hot seat if they aren't performing. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a good, uh, yeah, um, I'm just so, I just, my thoughts are all over the place on, on where they're at. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, sure, the players are the guys skating out, skating out, skating around on the ice, going for a skate, but there is one guy, or I guess a couple, I guess obviously Jamie Compon and Charlie Huddy are the offensive and defensive uh, coaches, uh, respectively there, Huddy. Huddy is the defensive coach, and another weird uh, usage thing. As as I'm just going to circle back that for a second there, they had like Kulikov and Myers. What are they, what are they doing out there with under 10 minutes left in a one goal game for either way, winning or losing? First of all, but they like Maurice was still throwing them out there, and that's like it just doesn't make any sense to me. I know like Kulikov only had 1340 of ice time and Myers probably had a little bit more from power play uh power play at the time yeah he had 15 10 but it just doesn't it just doesn't add up and at the end of the at the end of the series or if the Jets do lose if they whether they lose in four which is obviously a very possible thing right now that we're dealing with um or if they lose in seven if they somehow do some crazy voodoo stuff and hell of a gets three straight shutouts or something. Um, at the end of the day, I think this series should fall on Paul Maurice and his coaching staff. Uh, he, the matchups are just not there. The system just doesn't make any sense. They're, it's just all over the place. The guys don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're not playing for him. I, think, I personally think Maurice has lost the room, or at least some of the room. And there's just a big, as a big rift. I don't want to get too far into that as... I can't verify or confirm anything that I've heard from from the room, and I don't want to start any speculation on that. Um, but you just look at just look at some of the breakdowns. They're very just breakdowns that seem to just keep happening in the exact same way. Like I had mentioned, they have blown three uh, three late in the game leads. Like uh, I refer back to the Islanders game; they were up up by a goal late, and they lost in the last two minutes. Uh, you look at uh, they had a game against Minnesota. They were up in the third. They lost. Uh, there's another game in there that I probably deleted from my memory that they lost. And then obviously uh, game game number one, they were leading heading into the third period. They've lost like 10, 10 or 11 games, including the these two playoff games of leading in the third period. Uh, that that says something. That definitely says something. I'm not sure what it says about, about Maurice and the staff. But just looking at the deployment in the third period, from yesterday's game that says so much about Maurice and his coaching staff that I can barely put it into words. Like I'm almost at a loss for words. 
I could jump in on that. Yeah, go, 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 go for it. Yeah. So I guess for me, like, yeah, I don't love the the Myers-Kulikov pairing right now, but you can't sit them for the whole third period. Like they they have to be out there at some point just because you need to rest your top two pairs a little bit. No, yeah. 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 You're, you're right on that. I mean, they weren't out there for a long shift or anything like that, but it's just the overall, more the overall uh, deployment. And again, like, like why is Ben Sherrod out there? Like they could move up Truba with Bufflin or Myers with Bufflin and just, just stuff like that. And it's kind of, yeah, but I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah. No, I mean, there are some roster decisions I've got questions about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but even using the guys they've got, like if they're not gonna juggle them, juggle the pairings at all, you know you're gonna have Myers and Kulikov out there for probably two or three minutes in the third period. You can't help it. And problem is they're not playing very well, and they're gonna get exposed in that two minutes. Like uh, now, you know if you want to really harp on Paul Maurice the lineup decisions are a pretty big topic. Uh, oh, man. Well, that's a whole other can of worms. Maybe we should... Uh... <laughs> well, I think that, I, to me, like, when it comes down to coaching, I, I, um, I, I think it's hard, I guess, to... I mean, you want to be a little bit fair because the playoffs are such a small sample size, and... I mean, you know, we're going to we're going to listen to this and you know, Tampa Bay is currently down 2 nothing to Columbus and and no matter you know, if the Jets go and get go and lose in the fourth in the first round, um there is going to be uh, uh how many other series? Yeah, there's going to be uh eight other teams that have also lost in the first round and it's going to be tricky and difficult, I think, for uh us as fans to fill like the two months of two months of radio programming and, and internet blog uh, content requirements, you know, on, on what happened. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for us to, to do that with such a small, with much as such a small playoff sample size. And I, you know, I, I do feel sorry for Maurice in a way um, like that. He was really spoiled last year, having, having just an absolute beast number one center in Shifley and, you know, something's going on there. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I want to, I want to give him, I guess, cut him some slack there, but I still look back at, um, I think that the next two games are going to really be telling because I think that the whiteout actually had a big effect, uh, on the team. I think that it's impossible for the guys to, to, to go through a shift and kind of like go through the motions or, or be half hearted at all. Uh, but I think the next two games here on the road in St. Louis are going to be very indicative and, um, and I think that I think that it's going to be really big uh, if the Jets can come out and play a strong uh, defensive defensive game and counterattack effectively, and not have Kevin Hayes play eight minutes a night and not have Par Lindholm play twenty minutes or whatever you know Daniel Yosetti played. I I just I just think that's going to be really indi- really indicative. I think the two games it's it's easy enough just to kind of blame. Uh, just to blame maybe game two on on uh, on some shoddy goaltending, and um, and kind of cut the coach some slack. But the truth is, is you look back and ever since Christmas, like there has been a trajectory at play here, and there has been something going on where this team can't hold on to leads. Now we have our two really good defensemen back, but I think you guys can see where I'm going with this. I think I I think too that we would probably feel a little bit more hopeful up against um yeah i think that we had a chance to 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 play uh, i'm gonna say like to play dallas in the first round but maybe you guys even would disagree with me uh, maybe dallas is a great matchup too i know aj is famous for, <laughs> for predicting failure but i guess i guess where we should go with this is is if you guys were able to sit down and have a meeting with paul maurice and just just give him some advice. And if he would magically take your advice, let's go here. What, Dan? What what would you tell the coach? What would be your your uh, your advice or your um, your uh, your mentorship to Paul Maurice? What would you tell him to do with this Jets team going forward into Game Three and Four? Well, I would tell him. Okay, 
I, I would tell him, you know, just he just focuses so much on the matchups. And obviously, there's other lineup decisions that are questionable, but you can, you know, icing your best optimal lineup by not focusing on the line matching so much. Obviously, on the road, that's a little bit, a uh, little bit more difficult as they will be in game three and four as compared to to game one and two when they were at home. They have 41 home games and 41 road games they had. This. Um, but he just gets so locked into the, the matchups and stapling guys to the bench that he shouldn't be stapling, like. Don't ever staple Nikolai Ehlers to the bench. I know I like I, he played nine minutes, some concussion scare in there, probably shaved a few minutes off and stuff. But the one thing, I, I guess two things I would say is don't focus so much on the lineup and don't staple Nick Ehlers to the bench. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, and don't play Kulikov and Myers in the last two <laughs> minutes ever in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alistair, Alistair, how about you? I'm, and I'm wondering, too, I think we should talk a little bit about um, just which forwards we should be giving the ice time to um, or if or if we should be, you know, spreading the ice time out evenly, going with a balanced attack, just some of that stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, just what, what, would, what, would you be, what would you be giving? What advice would you be giving the coach here? Uh, I would say going on the road is the best thing that could happen to you right now. Because it gives you the opportunity to just roll your four lines. Because I think, like, I don't like to think of the teams in terms of top six and bottom six at all. But I do think the Jets' depth is where they're going to win this win some hockey games. It's not their top line that's going to beat their top line, which seems to be what Maurice was hoping. Uh, I think it's, you know, Ehlers, Hayes, and Rosovic are going to beat the crap out of Barbashev and whoever his wingers are if they're the fourth line. <laughs> so freaking roll them. And if you're not, if you're not bogged down in the matchups, uh, as Dan was saying, you know, that's your chance, you know, let them respond to you for a change. Uh, and I think you can win. Uh, I would also say my, my biggest advice would be try some different <laughs> defensemen and maybe a different pairing. Uh, you know, uh, Bolu wasn't in for a whole lot of games, you know, like what was it, 20 games or something? But he was at least reliable, I thought. You know, maybe he's being carried by Trouba a little bit, but uh, Kulikov has had some pretty serious lapses in judgment and isn't contributing a whole ton in terms of points anyway. Uh, maybe it'd be worth swapping him out. Maybe if you want somebody you can actually move the puck for a change, give Sammy Niku a shot. Like, uh, for me, we're getting to the point where you got to throw that Hail Mary pass. Like, uh, you know, we're not down three, three, nothing yet, but it's, it's almost, if you wait till you're down three left, three, nothing, it's too late. Like it's the, it's the same debate player coaches have with when do you pull the goalie? If you're down by a goal, like all the numbers say you should pull them a lot sooner. Give, give them six minutes, give them. 10 minutes of six on five to try to score that goal. Cause if you don't, you lose anyway. Uh, I think it's kind of the same thing. Like maybe play Sammy Niku who's a great puck moving defenseman. Give your guys a chance to get out of their zone. Or, you know, maybe you should give Brassois a shot on the off chance that he catches fire uh, and steals the series. Cause if you wait till you're down three, nothing, your odds are slim to nil. It's not just bad. Uh, so yeah, I, guess- I like what you're saying. I like what you're saying there, Alistair, that um, that we're basically at that point where it's time to pull the goalie and uh, bring that desperation. And um, yeah, I guess on that, Daniel, who who are you who are you starting in goal then? If it's if it was up to you, uh, heading into game three, is there in game three who would you start in goal? And I guess follow up would be: Is there any situation in which you would in the series where you would give Laurent Brassois a start in net? Well, that. Like I, I had mentioned just before we actually started this uh, this recording, I said if they lose game three, I, I want to start Hellebuck in game three. I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there. He has actually been very, very slightly better than Brassois has after Brassois went on his crazy uh, early season streak there of whatever it was, 12-1-1 or whatever the heck he started at. Uh, Hellebuck has under th- three goals against Brassois, over three and such not. I haven't dug too deep into that. Um, so I'm starting Hellebuck game three. Uh, if the Jets go down three nothing after uh, after 
tomorrow's game, then I, I'm putting Brassois in net in uh, game four and hoping at that point. I know, like Alistair mentioned, it is probably too little too late at that time, but I think you just kind of got to roll with Hellebuck right now. I I know it's maybe hard for a few people to hear that, and it's even hard for me to say, you know, I'm kind of almost at coin flip for who I'm starting tomorrow, but uh, I, I'd stick with Hellebuck. Um, if you go down 3 nothing, I actually meant and call up Mikael Berdine and just throw him out there on, on Tuesday in game four and see if he can maybe score a goal or something. Or but, play, uh, yeah, play the point on the power play, right? I mean, Yeah, just <laughs> let him play from center. I, you know, whatever. Go make your power play six on four. Just just go out, you know. Um, but I, I will uh, circle back to my advice to Paul Maurice there. I was just thinking uh, thinking a little bit more. Obviously, Alistair mentioned, you know, throw Sammy Niku out there and stuff like that. And just yeah, just make some make some actual lineup changes. Don't just just rotate. Keep rotating. We see a lot of you know putting Ehlers little line eight back together again last night. They've just it just doesn't work. That's all that they're bad players each individually. They just don't work together, right? And that's something again. You know, it's just something that he's stuck on. Just the same thing. Obviously, I would say split up Shifley and Wheeler. We need to spread the talent throughout. But Shifley and Wheeler haven't been playing great even together so what is that really going to do and stuff like that so anyway yeah back to say that one i was waiting waiting yeah Yeah, split up shifley and wheeler okay i want to hit you guys i it's going to be kind of you touched on all of these but um i'm the i guess i'm doing the hosting today so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask myself the same question and i think that i i just keep coming back to ali i think you nailed it that um it the Jets need to basically hit the hit the panic button. And the annoying part of this is that a lot of Jets fans have been increasingly noticing this since like December. And increasingly January, February, March. Uh, like I think that a lot of people have been wondering why uh, why the heck aren't we mixing things up? Um, but hey, since we the season is not over yet, game three is a great time to get a win. Here's my three things. I think that uh, Laurent Brossois should start in net in game three. I think uh, if nothing else, like the Jets are going nowhere without um, without an on fire and pissed off and motivated Connor Hellebuck. And I think that Maurice needs to just be a boss and, and sit his starting goalie and just take a risk here, uh, which is probably scary for him because it could totally collapse in his face. But I think that he should start Brossois. I think also he should do like you just said, Dan, which is break up Shifley and Wheeler. And partially for the reason that we had just been talking about, you're heading out on the road, you have some real matchup problems, depending on how the lines are. And I think that uh, breaking, splitting up Shifley and Wheeler makes it a lot easier for the Jets to roll out, to basically to basically throw out lines that are um, a bit more matchup proof, like ones that can be pinned out, uh, start, you know, they can ice the puck and be in their own end and, and not be basically guaranteed a goal against uh, by, you know, the O'Reilly or O'Reilly and Tarasenko line, for example. And one more thing, and you guys, I'm going to turn it to you guys right away. I'll end my rant. Uh, but if I had my magic wand, you're damn right. Sammy Niku is stepping in. I don't care if it's on the right side or the left side, but the Jets have not hit 30 shots yet in either of the first two games. And I know they're playing against a very good defensive team right now in the Blues, but we need every single game breaker that we can get, and we have one watching from the press box. That's uh, that's the end of my rant. Can you guys just tell me, I, I don't know if you guys want to kind of add to that or or... Maybe tell me, like, maybe I'm wrong here. I mean, I know Brassois, the problem complicating that is he's been injured, right? But, uh, but tell me, tell me, tell me where I'm right or I'm wrong. I, I'd like to hear you guys' opinion on that. Yeah, so I'm just going to, uh, sorry, sorry, Alistair, I just want to add one, one quick thing there. Um, this, it's actually really not relevant. It's something I thought was kind of funny in my head. It's probably not going to sound <laughs> like that. But I think Sammy Niku was, is actually looking forward to those St. Louis sliced bagels. Um, so maybe he doesn't want to play game three. Maybe he just wants to eat some of those up in the press box. But I'll, I'll let uh, Ali actually say something constructive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
I slice bagels with such. Yeah, a- we can't let them win. We cannot let them win. As just like as a city, as a society, that's not okay. You cannot eat <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's just so much easier. You can get a greater ratio of like cream cheese to bagel ratio. You can get a better ratio, man. It's too much. It's it's just too much. Nope. I'm going to totally slice my bagel next time, and I'm going to send a picture to you guys. I'm going to show you. Uh, you do that, and you're going to cost us all the listeners we have for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That, that. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, well, tell, well, Alistair, I think you were going to gonna say, do you, have, do you have any other thoughts just on what the Jets should do um, uh, You know, going forward ahead into St. Louis? Let's, let's hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I mean... I, I'm kind of with you, with with you, Mike. Like, it's time to roll the dice. Like, the I was looking up the the, the playoff odds. Uh, we're we're down to either ten or thirteen percent to win the series. Uh, I think freaking swing for the fences, man. Make some serious changes. You know, look for something that'll spark the team. You gotta like. Yes, they've been close in each game. But I don't know if you can really confidently go in and say, if we keep playing the same way, we're actually going to win this series. Um, give the, look for something that the team can rally around. Like Sometimes, you know, you throw the backup in after a, a goal or two, and the team is like, well, screw that. We're not letting any more goals in. And then they, the team plays better in front of them and wins the game. Like, you got to look for something like that. Uh, yeah, roll the day. What, what, how could it be worse? <laughs> Yeah, it can't, it, like Mike and both of you guys have said, and I'll, I'll agree with that too. You know, you get Niku out there, he's a game breaker. We've seen what he can do. I've seen a lot of him playing with, uh, with the Moose the last two seasons, or last season more than this season. Uh, he's only played about 20 games with the Moose this season. But uh, yeah, he's a game breaker. He's a puck mover, you know. Just do something. Do something different. Um, I'm just thinking of uh, Amarat uh, had tweeted out the uh, the Jets line combinations from uh, pre-game one in their minutes together. Uh, uh, Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor had like 410 minutes, and then the three other that that's five five on five, um, and then the three other lines had like 40 or less. So we might as well just make it all zero. Just put all new combinations. Just just go for it. Like you're not going to lose anything. You're you're already down two nothing in the series. Your your probability of winning are yeah. It, it's a weird thing, right? Where Maurice is simultaneously not built up uh, chemistry with any line combinations, and he also hasn't tried much that's different. Uh, I don't know how he's done that. <laughs> it's incredible. It's actually incredible. That's. <laughs> And the, I mean, a little bizarre, bit of that, too, I will. Is, uh, oh, um, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Yeah, I will throw that in there. Obviously, having Lindholm in for Tanev uh, uh, game one, that, that kind of skewed that a little bit. But uh, And just minor things like that. Obviously, Hayes hasn't been on the team that long. But anyways, yeah, I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you go there, Mike. I was just going to say, I, I just keep coming back to, I mean, kind of this, the, the, the subtext of this whole talk is, I think for a lot of us, we, we have... We have kind of, is Paul Maurice going to be, should he be the coach of the Jets uh, next year? I think that's kind of going on in the back of our minds and and definitely an increasing number of fans. I don't think it's fair to say that. Um, And I just keep coming back to uh, that it's kind of late to be trying these things, right? And and so I I just spoke on behalf of that they should try them, even if it is game three on the road. Um... But uh, but why the heck were they not trying these things earlier? I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why, why Shifley and Wheeler have been in uh, just months, months-long slumps, at least in terms of, how, you know, they're constantly getting outshot and, um, and, and um, out-expected gold. Uh, I don't know if I got the tenses right. <laughs> But 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 they've have been they've been they've been dogs at at five on five. Uh, TSN had Travis Yost on who just could hardly contain the in, how how shocked he was at at some of Shifley's Corsi numbers. And this has been going on for a long time. 
and here we are like we're it's it you sound like you i admit it you sound a bit kind of like a crackpot in in a sense like doing this and and to me i just am kind of left with this wondering like if if um i wonder if if shifley or sorry not shifley i wonder if maurice's hold on the room is as tenuous as we've kind of been starting to wonder and uh and i don't even know whether he has the cred to to shuffle the lines like that uh because it kind of seems like he didn't have the cred to to do it earlier i i mean i feel silly talking who knows like we're just guys with a podcast and all that but but yeah i mean i just when why wasn't this happening sooner why wasn't this happening sooner i'm going crazy here right I remember uh, getting into a, a conversation on Twitter with our good friend Tony, uh, Tony Manitoba Hockey there, uh, about why he I wasn't trying this stuff in the preseason. Like, <laughs> that's when you try this stuff. Uh, never got a look. But. Well, that, and I want to throw a question your way, Dan, but that brings to me the, re- the reminder that, as people have been pointing out, that, that this is two playout, these are, we've lost two games this year in a row. But going back to last year, this is now six playoff games in a row we've lost. And and Dan, I'm just going to throw a question your way. Just to to what extent did to what extent did like did losing to losing four straight games to Vegas last year did it break the Jets' brain in some way? Like did it did it affect did it affect how the coaches looked at what what a, what playoff roster is needed? I mean, you look at there was some there were some bizarre scratches made in Game Five in Vegas last year, like. Uh, did is is that kind of feeding into this in some way? Um, that's actually you know that's something I haven't put too much thought into, but I will mention. Um, obviously, we think back to when the Jets, the Jets' first playoff berth in their return to Winnipeg. Uh, they played the Ducks. They got swept by the Ducks. That's that's zero and four for Maurice. Uh, last year they won they won nine nine games in the playoffs. Obviously, winning the first two series. Uh, so th- what what does that bring their loss? Uh, so that's four, five, eight, nine. So they Maurice was nine and nine or something like that. Does uh, eight? I think nine and uh, they lost. They lost yeah, three nine and one to Minnesota, right? Yeah, they lost one to Minnesota, three to Nashville, four to Vegas. So that's eight plus the four to Anaheim. So that's a dozen. So right now he's sitting at nine and. 14 as head coach of the Jets in the playoffs as he's made it including you know the Anaheim sweep and then they're down two nothing this year and including last year so I I it probably means nothing but yeah they have lost six straight playoff games now Hellebuck has not played great in in many of those he's nearing a three goals against and a, a low nine a low nine you know probably nine 12 or something like that, save percentage, which is not ideal for a goaltender. But I think, um, Mike, you did raise an interesting point. I think maybe the playoffs last year, the the losing four straight games to Vegas after that uh, that game one uh, victory was actually good against Vegas, I believe, in the Western Conference Finals. If I remember that correctly, they won. A, it was a pretty lopsided score, if I do remember. They were up 3 nothing at one point. Um, and then they just blew it. They lost four straight games and they just got, they just didn't make any adjustments, and that's one thing with uh, Paul Maurice and his staff. They just don't make adjustments. I find they just go out there, and they just keep trying the same things. And again, this is back to the line combinations. Their system has devolved. I want to say it's gotten worse. Uh, the forwards don't back check. They don't reload at all. Um, they just kind of, they're just out there in the D zone going for a skate, and the defense has has to back off so much in the neutral zone into the defensive zone when the other team's coming up the ice because the forwards are so, there's no gaps. The gaps are, are non-existent. There's nothing, just big open ice. I refer to the uh, the Sunquist second goal, like Shifley-Wheeler going off for change at the same time, leaving the whole middle of the ice open. The, it was like the, the Red Sea parted for Joel Edmondson, I believe, made that assist on that play. It's just... I don't know if they, because you mentioned the scratches in Game Five against Vegas. Joe Morrow in for Toby Enstrom is uh, one that still hurts to think about uh, to this day. And yeah, did they? I, I don't. I don't even know what I want to know what they think is an ideal playoff roster because right now they're not even icing it because Sam Iniku's eating St. Louis style sliced bagels tomorrow. As far as I'm, uh, as far as I'm reading into it. <laughs> 
And probably enjoying them. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a chance, Ali, to, to, to share some of your thoughts on what Dan was just saying there. Well, I'll say this. The only way Palmeries gets fired for this season is if Kevin Shelvedayoff sits down and says, man, Paul, you lost the room. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what the what the gossip mill is saying on Twitter. It's got to be Shelvedayoff. And it's kind of up to Maurice to convince him that he hasn't lost the room, right? And he's a really good talker. So... I don't think any amount of bad performance from the team is going to lose that guy's job this year. And that sucks. <laughs> it really sucks, man. I'm not happy about it. But that's what I think. Well, I want to know what you think also about just going ahead. I think we're nearing the end of our time here, so we should um, just wrap wrap up with some some maybe near-term predictions. What do you guys think? What's your guys' thoughts uh, uh, heading into Game 3? Who's going to win? Uh, what are the Jets going to look like? And um, and just give me your prediction. Is this going to be uh, is this going to be a four game series, a five game series, or does this become uh, become a, a close one? Uh, we'll start off with you, Dan. What do you think? Well, again, uh, you know, I actually picked the Jets to win this series in six games. It's it's on record. It was in the last uh, our last roundtable uh, put together there in uh, episode fifty one, um, but. I want I want to believe, and I, I'm going to predict this, the Jets do come out tomorrow like they want to win the game. Um, they come out flying, you know, maybe they catch St. Louis a little cocky. Hopefully that's kind of what I'm going for. Maybe Bennington's head's grown so big, you know, that he lets in six goals or something like that. Um, I do think the Jets will come to play tomorrow, and I think it'll go at least five. I don't, I just can't find it in me to believe that the Jets will get swept in four. Um, I don't think it'll be a long series. Like pushing it to seven is probably the only way that Jets do win. I I just don't think they'll uh, they'll make it that far. Yeah, I'll I'll just leave it at that. I just feel so I'm just disappointed. You know, I'm disappointed more than than upset with what uh, what's going on right now. Well, let's hear from let's hear from Ali. Are you gonna are you gonna cheer us up with uh, with the Jets in six prediction or what do you got? <laughs> no. <laughs> the only hope the Jets fucking have, my friends, is for them to crash the net so hard in the first period tomorrow that they rip Bennington's groin and Jake Allen goes in for the rest of the series and we win in seven. Uh, that's our only freaking hope, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I wish I could be more sunshine and rainbows, but that's that's what I see. Yeah, I think I'm, um, I gotta say, I think the most likely outcome is, is, um, yeah, I think, I think it's tough to see the Jets if they don't win game three, I, I think it's tough for them to, to think of this being more than a four game sweep. Um, I think, I think the next likeliest jet w- uh, game for the Jets to win will be game three. Um, but, uh, but definitely I do hope that it, that it goes longer and, and everything, um, Although my pocketbook would probably be okay with an early, an early spring. So uh, I did want to say, though, win or lose, the most important thing, we need to be thinking about uh, our battles that we're going to be having for the next four or five months, whatever. We need, we need Nick Ehlers to come back and not be just knocked out by that one body check. We need our fi- your favorite important good skill players to have to show something in these last two, three, four, whatever games. We need Line to get another goal at least. Uh, and we need Ehlers to show up because while we're dreaming, while we're dreaming about uh, firing Paul Maurice, that meeting that you guys talked about between Maurice and um, uh, between Maurice and uh, Shevel Day off at the end of the season, whenever this is over, uh, Maurice is if you're not, it's going to be. If you're not the problem, Maurice, who is? And the Jets have to clear cap space. And I am not looking forward to seeing uh, the Jets next year without Ehlers and Perot and uh, who knows who else. So, yeah. Anyway, what a great yeah. note! To, holy, gee, holy, I just had to go for the jugular. Wow, I had to. Oh, oh. Okay, I'm that was terrified, that's... and that's why I'm so glad that Line showed up and showed up at home uh, with those big goals, uh, because yeah. 
uh, because for reasons that we all know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I'll just add to the negative. Uh, just uh, just down the grapevine here, the the Moose were just eliminated from uh, from uh, the AHL playoffs, so their magical run is is all but over as they end their season tomorrow. So yeah. Oh God. Well, don't say that we didn't warn you. We did include the negativity disclaimer, and I think it took us maybe a little bit longer than expected to kind of get there. Um, but hey, we're we're big Jets fans, and we have a lot of fun with this too. So, um, oh yeah, we just like to call it how we how we think we see it. So, let me just say, I would want nothing more than for the Jets to win <laughs> and to kick ass and come back and win it in Game Seven. Like that would make me the happiest human being on the planet. Uh, it's not a question of what I want, just and how how much we love this team. Like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean. I mean, of course. I mean, I hope that I hope that comes through. Like, just that, just that I care. I mean, I I devoted more, more hours uh, of my winter watching watching them play basically every game, and and how much time on on uh, Twitter or blogs, just reading and and everything. I I really hope that comes across. <laughs> we care. Just just you know, happen to not really like how things have looked this year for a large chunk. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll just second all that. I don't want to get all emotional and stuff here, so uh, we'll just. <laughs> That's, yeah. Uh, hey, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say we have a chance to keep it. I think right at about an hour here. So, um, so I think with that, uh, we'll thank you all for for sticking with us to the end, and thanks for listening. And and uh, and go Jets, go. Yeah, that's right. Thanks. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Yeah. What do the other podcasts say? Like and uh, tell your friends about this podcast and uh, r- uh, rate us on iTunes. Give us a good rating on, on, on iTunes or whatever format you download this podcast. So tell your friends and um, yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Kurt Kilback and thank you for listening to the 